Well, we're here. We are at the end of our kingdom study today in the last book of the Bible, in the last chapters of the Revelation. Our study has focused on the kingdom, the rule and reign of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This, just this past week, I've had some confirmation. Several people have asked me if I would put this together in book form with these, uh, this, all of these kingdom messages, and that's what I'm working on. I've got the first chapter done, so I'm working on it now, and I hope that it'll be a blessing to you. And so even though we are completing our study, I hope you will never stop praying for opportunities to share Jesus, taking every opportunity to sow the seeds of his kingdom and encouraging others to grow in their faith. And I hope you will try every day to say or do something that reminds people of Jesus. The world in which we live has become a very dark and evil place. Our culture is pushing people to accept all kinds of behavior, which behaviors which are contrary to the word and the purpose of God. Listen, I've lived a long time, and you know, my I've had many more years behind me, more than I'll have in front of me. But it concerns me when I look at our world. I see a lot of young people here today. It concerns me what the world's going to look like when you get my age. It does. Because it seems to be going in the wrong direction. It seems to be getting worse and worse. And the things that you're learning, like that I'm teaching you about following Jesus, there's going to come a time when you'll, you'll hardly ever hear that anymore unless the church stands up, unless Christians stand up and keep sowing those seeds. If we don't speak out for Jesus, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to hear it from the government or the education system or the media or the entertainment system. You're just not going to hear it if you don't hear it from Christians like you and I who are brave enough, who are willing to stand up and talk about Jesus. You're, we're being indoctrinated, folks. We're, this world, this evil world, led by the devil himself, is trying to brainwash us, trying to indoctrinate us, make us even think there is no God. So many Christians are discouraged today, afraid to stand for what is right. You don't have to be afraid. You're not alone. You're never alone. Jesus is always with you. And he is protecting us against those who push their wicked agendas upon us. In fact, let me tell you, this past week was a great victory. I don't know if you read about it or not. The Supreme Court heard a case brought against a website designer in Colorado who refused to design sites for same-sex marriages. She, her religious beliefs, her faith, is that marriage should be between a man and a woman. Well, she was sued and she was uh, by the state of Colorado. The Supreme Court ruled six to three for this designer, Lori Smith, saying that she can refuse to design websites for same-sex weddings, despite a Colorado law that bans discrimination based on sexual orientation, race, gender, and other characteristics. Now, folks, that's a big victory for religious liberty. But I just read that since that time, since that ruling came down, this Christian woman has been condemned by President Biden, by the governor of Colorado and Attorney General of Colorado, and by LGBTQ groups. 
calls and emails to her home have promised Lori that they are coming to kill her and her family and they wish her house was burned down. Why? Because she stood up for her faith. Now you stand for your faith and you're going to have to stand against some other people. You understand that? This is our world today. It's out of control. Driven by hate, hatred of what is good and of God. But as we've learned in our kingdom study, it will not always be this way. For King Jesus is coming back to earth and with him the wrath of God against all those who embrace evil and peace and with peace and rest for those who remain faithful to him. Kingdom life is going to be a reality for those who follow Jesus. And while we still have a ways to go, we have the rapture and the great tribulation and the millennial kingdom. In the end, the Christ who was crucified rose again and ascended into heaven. will at the end build a kingdom that will last forever. That's something to really look forward to. Christ's kingdom forever. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to, Matthew, to Revelation 21 22. I'll be looking at those verses uh, as, we con as we conclude our series of messages on Pray So Grow, Kingdom Forever. And while you turn in there, let me say the Lord's kind of leading me to uh, a series on the people Jesus met when he walked the earth. Because as I've been looking at that and all those people Jesus met, I see myself in some of those people, and I believe you'll see yourself in some of those people. So I think that's what we're going to start next week, just a series on the people Jesus met. And we'll look at some individual lives that way. I think that's where we're going. Now, Revelation 21 22 is where we'll be today. Pray so grow kingdom forever. Let's just pause for a moment and ask God to speak to us through His Word, will you? Lord Jesus, I pray today, thank you so much that you're real. We are, to, we are not serving a, an antiquated idol made out of wood or stone. We are not serving a, an idea or thought from the past. We are serving a living, almighty, eternal God. And you're here. Your Holy Spirit is in this place. I sense, I sense your presence. And Lord, I don't know the hearts of all the people here. But Lord, when the end comes, and it will come, when the end comes, it is my prayer that everybody in this place, everybody that's watching and listening, everybody that hears this message, that they'll be part of that forever kingdom. That they won't be left behind. That they won't be destroyed in your anger but they will find your peace, rest, and joy with you in your kingdom forever. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you know, the book of the Revelation is the fulfillment of all Jesus had to say about his kingdom that we find in the Gospels. As we saw in Revelation 19, after 1,000 years of peace on earth in Christ's millennial kingdom, where the Lord Jesus, you know that, the Lord Jesus you read about in the Bible, where the Lord Jesus will return and sit on a literal throne in Jerusalem. For 1,000 years, he will have, there will be peace on earth. 1,000 years. That's a long time. 1,000 years 
of peace on earth. Revelation 19 tells us that when he comes again, he will have 1,000 years because Satan, the one who tempts us every day, will be wrapped up in chains and thrown into a bottomless pit for 1,000 years. But then at the end of 1,000 years, Satan is loosed for a little while, and it does not take him long to make one final attempt to overthrow Jesus and become God. That doesn't work out very well for Satan and the millions who, chose, who choose, will choose to follow him. As he attacks Jesus, fire, the fire of God, falls from heaven and destroys all of those armies that have turned against Jesus. Revelation 20.10 says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. No more bottomless pit, no more possibility of parole. Satan is banished finally to an eternal punishment in the lake of fire. The Bible ends, then, as it began, with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the end, John said in chapter 21, verse 1, let's read it together. Ready? Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I don't really think we can fathom the seriousness of this moment when God creates a new heaven and earth. I want you to think about this for a minute. I don't really know the magnitude of this new creation. Is the new heaven... Is it the place where the angels worship God? Is, or is the heavens the whole universe? I don't know. I don't, what I can tell you is that there's coming a day when the earth will flee away. In other words, uh, it will either be disintegrated into a pile of dust in space, or it will be completely wiped clean by the mighty hand of God. Folks, people are all worked up over the earth today. I mean, it's almost a religion like the climate change and that kind of thing. People better be more worried about how the earth is going to be completely destroyed. And there's nothing anybody can do about that. You understand? Nobody. It's going to be destroyed. The whole earth is going to be destroyed. The old earth. The earth as we know today. This earth which has seen war and disease and famine and evil for at least 6,000 years. This old earth will not do for the forever kingdom of God. The old earth, the old creation has to be destroyed so that a new forever kingdom can be created. And it's really sad to me when I think about it for a minute. It's very sad that this planet that I've known, that where I've lived, where I've played and grew up, this, it's sad that this planet has to be destroyed. It really is. But it has to be. It has to be because God, who created as a perfect place for man, God saw it corrupted by man himself. 
The Lord has, has done everything possible to make this world a perfect place for His redeemed people. But man, in his sinful state, always chose throughout history to reject God and follow Satan. We saw it in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. We see it, we saw it in the rejection and crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. We're seeing it today as we sow kingdom seeds and they're rejected by most people in the world. We see rebellion in the heart of man. We will see it during the Great Tribulation. We've looked at it in the Bible when God has to purge the world through the most terrible judgments ever poured out upon the earth. We see it at the Battle of Armageddon as the Antichrist turns all the governments of the world and the militaries against the people of God in Jerusalem. And then we see that rebellion at the end of the Millennial Kingdom when Christ Jesus Himself has ruled and reigned for 1,000 years on the earth from a throne in Jerusalem. And then Satan is released from the bottomless pit. And he turns people who have been born during that 1,000-year period, he turns them into the enemies of Christ. It's almost unthinkable that with Jesus ruling on the earth, there could be a rejection of Him and war against Him. But it will happen because even, listen, even in the absence of the devil and his temptation, the, the heart of man has been contaminated. You just think about it for a minute. All you have to do is watch little children. Just watch them. Just watch those little toddlers run around. Left to themselves, they will, do, they will choose to do the wrong thing. They'll do something that they're told not to do. Because the heart of man, that's your heart and my heart, folks. The heart of man has been corrupted by sin. The, Jeremiah the prophet said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The sinful heart of man separates him from God and the blessings of God and the help. The sinful heart of man separates him from help, good help, and separates him from good relationships. That sinful heart even shows up in the perfect kingdom of Christ when He reigned on, reigns on the earth for a thousand years. But as we saw in Revelation 20, Satan's war against Christ will be short-lived as he and all those who choose to follow him are cast into a lake of fire. Let me tell you something, folks. You will never go wrong following Jesus. You will always go wrong following the devil. Just remember that. You will never go wrong following Jesus, but you will always go wrong if you follow the world that follows the devil. The, those at the, at the final battle will be cast into a lake of fire with, the, with Satan, the devil they follow. The introduction of the lake of fire is important to the end of the old creation. Today, we talk about heaven and hell. Hell is a place of punishment today for those who reject Christ. There are those in hell right now who have rejected Christ. But at the end of the millennial kingdom, when Satan makes his final rebellion and he gathers all his people, hundreds of millions, against Jesus, at the end of the millennial kingdom, hell is going to be thrown into the lake of fire, according to the, the Word of God here. And the lake of fire then will become the prison, the permanent prison for all those who have rejected the kingdom of Christ. When all sinners, so here's what we know. When all sinners for all ages have been permanently sentenced to an eternal separation from God, 
in a lake of fire. That's when this old creation will, will end. It'll end. The old creation, what we know now, has to be destroyed because it has always been corrupted by the heart of man, the sin of man, and rebellion against God. As the, at the great white throne judgment, John said, Revelation 20, 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. While the Lord Jesus appears on that throne, the earth disintegrates before his face. Now somehow he lifts us, his people, off this planet. And he protects us while he performs a work of new creation. Just as God created the first creation, he creates a final creation. A kingdom forever. A place unlike anything we could imagine, so beautiful. A place of forever blessing. And the greatest blessing that we find in that forever kingdom is what we see in our kingdom principle. Would you read it with me today? Kingdom principle. In the final kingdom, there will be no what? Separation. There will be no separation. Now, I want you to think with me. The greatest pain that we endure in this life is the pain of separation. I remember, just as a little kid... I remember I, I loved for my grandmother to come and see us. Something about my grandmother, she was always special to me. And I just loved for her to come and see. And when she would come and we would, she'd go downstairs and, with me and, she'd, and my, my sister, and we, we would play, she'd do stuff with me and such of that. And you know, when she would have to go to work, she worked in a cotton mill, textile mill. That was what my family did back then, worked in cotton mills, textile she didn't make a whole lot of money, but she, boy, she gave of herself to her grandchildren. And when my grandmother would get in that car and leave, I would cry because I'd say, Grandmother, I miss you. Don't leave. Don't, do you have to go? I didn't understand. I was just a little bitty fella. I didn't, but I would miss it. Sometime I wouldn't understand. My dad would have to go off somewhere. He'd get in the car and go. I'd cry because I missed my dad. Where was, where was he going? You know, when we're little like that, there's pain in separation. Then we grow older and what happens? Then we see other things. We have relationships with people. And then something happens and they break up and there's pain in that separation. Worst pain in the world is the pain of a what? A broken what? Heart. Painful separation. Then people get married and they have children and then there's division. There's, there's, there, there, there's, the devil does everything he can to tear that home apart. And then there's a separation. And the children are taken and moved to different places. And the, and the parents are... And there is pain in separation. There's always pain, folks. Separation. We're, you know, think about it for a minute. It's, it's painful when people die. And we're separated by death from people we love. D disease separates us from the strength and health we enjoy. Famine separates people from the food they need. Violence separates people from the peace we need. Sin separates us from the life of God we need. All the pain in the world 
can be narrowed down to some type of separation. But in the final kingdom, read the principle with me. In the final kingdom, there will be no what? No separation. There will be no separation. And I want you to notice with me, uh, in the final kingdom, let's look and see what separates us. Number one, in the final kingdom, we'll never be separated from one another. John said, verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there's no more sea. Uh, notice how the new earth is created without oceans. Now, I love the oceans. I really do. I can stand, sit on the beach and, and be out on them in a boat. Or I, I love the oceans. But since the creation of the earth upon which we live, oceans have separated peoples. I mean, really. You know, after the flood, after, in Noah's day, God wanted people to move apart and populate the earth. Everybody had died except Noah and his family, and they were right there on Mount Ararat there in Turkey. And, uh, and that area, well, they stayed in that area in the little Middle Eastern area there. and it, So they stayed together. And then at the Tower of Babel, God had to change their languages to force them to leave and form people groups around the earth. Those people of that day, those ancient people, in that one little area trying to stick together, their, their sinful hearts devised a plan to reach heaven on their own. They built this silly tower thinking they could reach God, reach God's heaven with a, with a tower of their own, but with their rebellious hearts. But God said, no, that's enough. He, he tore down their tower. God separated them. Their sins separated them from God and one another. They began then to migrate around the world. And God even moved the continents. You've heard of the continental drift. So, so God moved the continents so that the sinful people were separated by oceans. Oceans have always physically separated people. Today, we, we've overcome that. We can sail across the oceans. We can fly across the oceans. We can wirelessly communicate across the oceans. But on the new earth, there's not going to be any ocean. No dividing line between people. The earth is going to be recreated to hold all the saints who have ever lived from all ages. And that's a lot of them. That's many billions. All of them living together as one family in Christ. Nothing will separate us from fellowship with one another. We will be able to talk with anybody we want to. We're going to be able to talk with the saints of old. I mean, we're going to be in some kind of glorified body. I mean, we can probably move very, very quickly here. Probably, we could probably run, you know, for, forever. I remember reading and seeing this little documentary. Maybe you saw it too about these people on this island. They, they ran all the time. They could even run like 100 miles a day. I mean, they had that much stamina. Well, we're going to have that. We're going to have more than that. We could just run anywhere we want to. I mean, I, I don't know how God's going to help us travel. Maybe we're going to fly. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we're going to fly like Superman. I don't know. Yeah. But I know this, that in the kingdom that Jesus creates for us, we're going to go anywhere we want to go, and we're going to talk to people, and it's going to be beautiful and peaceful and wonderful, and we're going to get to talk to people like Moses and people like Daniel. Who, you know, We're going to be able to talk to people like Elijah, and we're going to be able to talk to people like John, we're going, to be able to pe we're going to be able to talk to a lot of different people. And we're going to be able to be with our grandparents and our parents and those who have gone on to heaven before us. We're going to be able to talk to people and nothing is going to be able to separate us 
from one another in the kingdom forever, not even death. Let's look, look again at verse 1 through 4. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more what? Death. No more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more what? Pain. For the former things have passed away. Death is big separation. The greatest enemy that you or I have ever had is death. Death strikes everyone. It strikes the old and the young, the rich and the poor, the believer and the unbeliever. No one escapes death because death is part of the old creation. Death is a result of sin against God. God warned Adam, if you disobey me, you will die, and he disobeyed anyway. Adam lived a long time in a body created to live forever, but from the moment he sinned against God, his body began to die. And friends, today... Doesn't matter how old you are. From the moment you were born, you started to die. That's right. Now, how many tears have you shed because of death? All the sorrows of this world and sickness, it all leads to death. It's our greatest enemy. Paul said, for as in Adam all die, because Adam's sin all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, that's his resurrection, you see. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming, when the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain are transformed into glorified bodies and rise into the sky. Then comes the end. That's where we are today in the last chapter of Revelation. The end. When He, the Lord Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for He must reign till He has put all enemies under feet, and the last enemy that He will destroy is what? Death. The old creation has operated under a sentence of death. But when the Lord Jesus creates a new kingdom, a new heaven and earth, his resurrected life will be the life of everyone there. Today we have spiritual life within us. You know, we ask Jesus to come into our heart, and He does with His spiritual life. Eternal life is our hope. Today we walk by faith in the promise of God that we read in the last chapters of the Bible here. But, but one day, when He creates everything new, we will live by sight. We will be with Him. We will see Jesus. His life will be what sustains us forever. Verses 6 through 8, chapter 21. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega. That means that's the beginning and ending letters of the Greek alphabet. Who is the beginning and the end? Jesus. He's already said so. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. 
He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolatries, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is called the second death. Now, the second death is the eternal death. You know, it's the eternal punishment. It's the spirit of someone who has died without Christ. They had been in hell, but now they're in the lake of fire. And they are living in a spiritual form, but they are being punished in that form. Eternally punished because they have refused Jesus. Those without Christ are spiritually dead in their sins now. But those who accept Christ and follow Him are born again with spiritual life. And when the end comes in the final kingdom, death will be defeated. It will be no more. There will be no more death. No one or no thing will die in Christ's kingdom forever. Adrian Rogers said, I like what he said. Listen to this, the great Adrian Rogers. If we are only born once, we will die twice. But if we are born twice, we will only die once. You know, that's the greatest promise we have, folks. That one day, the greatest enemy, our greatest enemy, which has ripped our hearts out so many times, will be defeated by the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who died and rose again, and hallelujah, he lives forevermore. When death is destroyed, so goes all that it brings. All the sorrow and pain will be removed as well as God wipes all tears from our eyes. So you see, it is that forever kingdom which should be our greatest hope and desire. Amen? That's where we want to be. In the final kingdom, we'll never be separated from one another. Secondly and finally, in the final kingdom, we will never be separated from our Lord. Now right now in this old creation, sin separates men from God. Man is born with a sin nature, and we see it from one end of the Bible to the other until we get to the last two chapters of the Revelation in the final kingdom of our Lord. Nearly 3,000 years ago, the prophet Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. That's been the problem on earth all this time. That sin has separated mankind from his Creator. It took the Lord Jesus coming to this earth, suffering and dying on the cross as payment for our sins, to overcome the great barrier of sin. But because of what Jesus did, he made a new creation out of every person who receives him. Paul said, you're a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Well, he makes a new creation out of all who receive him. And his forever kingdom that we're looking at in the Revelation, that's made for those who are a new creation in Christ Jesus. It will be made for us in that kingdom. We will never be separated from our Lord, for He will be with us. Our King will be reigning over the new creation forever. What we see in the rest of these verses, the description of the kingdom, is all about how the King of kings, the Lord Jesus, 
He does not set up a kingdom for a thousand years on earth, on an old earth, but he sets up a kingdom forever on a new earth. That old Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem, you know, the place we know now is Jerusalem, that place where the cross once held our Savior. It's done away with, it's destroyed. And now it's a new Jerusalem. We see a new Jerusalem, a place where no cross has ever stood. The place where the throne of our Savior stands forever. We see it in verses 9 through 14, chapter 21. Look with me there. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, you know, during the Great Tribulation, we saw that? He came to me and he talked with me saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The royal city, the new Jerusalem, the capital of the forever kingdom of Christ, filled with His glory, comes down to this earth, a new earth. In the old Jerusalem, the only glory of God was in that Jerusalem temple. In the millennial kingdom, the glory of God was our Lord on the throne in Jerusalem, but it didn't last forever. God had to make it all new. And in the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, the throne which, of God, which John saw in Revelation chapter 4, you know, with all that uh, lightning and thunders and emerald rainbow and all of the powerful angels and the fire and all of that, right here, when the new Jerusalem comes down, well... All of the throne of heaven comes to this earth, and now this earth becomes the throne room of God. The earth, once filled with sin and sorrow, sickness and death, the world we know today, is destroyed. And the new earth becomes the throne room of God, the place of His eternal glory. Now, I want you to notice how many times the number 12 is used in the New Jerusalem. It reminds us that the children of Israel, who had 12 tribes, Though they had a couple thousand years of foolish rebellion against their Messiah, they were never forgotten by God. He never forgot that when all the nations of the earth in the Old Testament period, you know, when all those nations of the world were worshiping false gods, the children of Israel, were, that was the one nation who believed in God, who held to God in His, in his Word. And at the second coming, <coughs> all the Jews, <coughs> excuse me, all the Jews turned to Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why? <clears throat> that's why they're remembered in the New Jerusalem with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel <clears throat> written on the beautiful gates.
Also remember that the Gentiles were grafted into the promises of God. And the church became the bride of Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. The Jews' Messiah was the Gentile Savior. And that's why the foundation of the New Jerusalem was inscribed with the names of the twelve apostles. Look at verses 15 through 21 for just a moment. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city's laid out as a square, its length as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Wow, what a sight that is. The city of our Lord will be breathtaking. Much larger than the Jerusalem we know today. (coughs) Excuse me. According to this angel, this city itself is 1,400 miles long and wide. It would be like a city and tall. It'd be like a city that reaches from here down to San Antonio, Texas. And then from Texas up to Bismarck, North Dakota. And then up 1,400 miles. You know, the space station we have is only 248 miles away. Huge city. The most incredible sight we could ever see. Glimmering in the glory of God. And we walk upon those streets made of pure gold, but most importantly, we'll see Jesus, our Savior. We will see Him ruling on the throne with His Father, with His Spirit, filling the throne room with His glory. And we will enter His presence over and over again never to be separated from him. Verses 22 through 27. John said, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut all the day. There will be no night there. And they shall... Bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, but there will be no, by no means be in, enter into it anything that defiles <coughs> or causes an abomination or a lie, <coughs> but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. John said <coughs> there's no Jerusalem temple because the Lord Jesus and the Father God are, t- are the temple. His glory fills everything. We, we will always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, we're not going to have to pray, Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Or revive us, Lord. Let us sense your presence. We will live forever in his presence, in his glory. Now, there will be people all over the earth, saints of God, living in the beauty of our Savior, filled with his love, <coughs> joy, and peace. <coughs> now, you help me read the next verses. Verses 22, 1 through 5. Would you read for me? Ready, go. And he showed me 
clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, neither side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there will be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. The servants shall serve him. And his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light. They shall reign forever and ever. You know, there's two things there, life and light. A tree of life taken out of the Garden of Eden where, when man sinned against God returns into New Jerusalem. A reminder of what the old creation lost. They lost God's purpose. So many people today have lost God's purpose. They're living wickedly. They're missing the eternal life that Jesus can give them. If they don't repent and receive Jesus, they will miss him for eternity. But we, who will be alive in this new creation, will have the tree of life, the river of life flowing from God, and that tree is huge. John said it was in the middle of the street, but then it spread out over to overspread the river. You know, it was massive giving eternal life to all the people of God. Jesus said to the woman at Jacob's well in John 14, help me read this, ready? Whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. Folks, the only way to drink from that river of living water in the final kingdom is to drink from the water Jesus gives now. Jesus offered that living water to the woman at the well, and he's still offering that water to all who will repent of their dead sins and receive him as Savior and the source of eternal life. If we don't have Jesus in this life, folks, we're never going to have, it, have him in the forever kingdom. But if we serve him now, and then John said we'll serve him in the new creation, a place where there's no more curse, no more night, For the light of God's own presence will light the world. This place, this kingdom, is the completion of God's purpose for mankind. Not all will enter this kingdom forever. At the end of the Revelation, an angel spoke to John. Look what he said, verse 6, chapter 22. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Then John heard the Lord Jesus say, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Jesus said, I am coming quickly. Do you believe he's coming quickly? John did. Jesus said again, verse 12 and 13, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The Son of God spoke, and John heard him. Verses 16 and 17, Then John heard and the Spirit, and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. John heard Jesus calling, the Spirit calling, the church in heaven calling. And you and I that have this word of God, this promise of his forever kingdom, we should be calling to our world, Come, before it's too late, come to Jesus. And John closed with these words in a prayer. He who testifies to these things says, Surely, read it with me, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen.
And John prayed, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Then he said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And then it was over. The revelation was over. The vision was over. And John had a choice to make. Do I believe it or not? It's your choice to make. Do I believe this is true or not? Do I really believe Jesus is coming again and bringing his kingdom with me? How we answer this question will determine how we live today. If we don't believe there's a glorious kingdom, a forever kingdom, then I might as well live my life for me, for what I can get for myself or those I care about. But if I believe all this is true, and that the Christ who died on the cross for me and rose from the dead for me has a kingdom for me which will last forever, then I'm going to live my life for the kingdom that is to come. I will pray, so grow, carry his kingdom truth, and do whatever I can to help others enter his kingdom. If I really believe that Jesus is coming again, it'll change everything. I will risk everything for my Lord if I really believe he's coming for me. After the Crimean War, a great celebration was held in London to honor the heroes wounded in battle. Queen Victoria was present to give out the medals, and some of the soldiers appeared with empty sleeves. Some came on crutches. Some had bandaged foreheads. To each, Queen Victoria gave the same sweet smile and the same high award, and at last a terribly maimed soldier was brought before the queen on a litter, on a stretcher. His arms and legs were gone. He had sacrificed even more than the rest. At the sight of him, the queen, with tears streaming down her face, stepped forward and said to him, put a medal on his uniform, kissed his brow, and said with great emotion, well done, good and faithful servant. That man had given everything for his country and for the reward of the queen. But folks, we have something more important than a country or a queen. We have a kingdom forever. What are you willing to give for that reward? Would you bow with me? Do you believe it? Do you believe Jesus when he said, I'm coming quickly? If you say yes, then what difference is that making in your life? If you're still living for yourself, then you don't really believe Jesus is coming soon. Today is your day to turn that around and start following Jesus because you may never have another day. Why don't you pray with me today? And why don't you ask God what it is that you're supposed to be doing? If you're a Christian, what is it that you're not doing that you need to be doing? And if you're lost, why don't you hear Jesus say, come to me? Today, you need to come to Jesus. I can help you. If, this, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, and you hear Jesus, if you feel him knocking at your heart and saying, let me in, why don't you pray right now with me and say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe you died on the cross and shed your blood to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And Jesus, yes, I believe you're coming again. Right now, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart 
and my life and be my Savior. I want you to be the king of my life, Jesus. I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of all the terrible things that surround me. I want you, Jesus. I ask you to save me today. Rescue me. Deliver me. Forgive me. And one day take me into your forever kingdom. Today I confess that you're my Savior and Lord and I make a commitment to follow you if I have to follow you all by myself in my world. I will follow you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, then the Lord Jesus and His Holy Spirit's come into your life and your life now is a new creation and it's time for you to start following Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for getting me through this message. I, seems like the old devil, he'll do anything, just try to stop the word of the kingdom from being preached and taught. But I'm grateful that you're greater than the devil. And Lord, you can, you can just do anything. So thank you, Father, for speaking, giving me the voice back, Lord, to speak. And God, I just pray that, uh, that your Holy Spirit will do the speaking now. And that whatever anybody needs to do, that they'll do while we're singing. That they'll make a commitment today to follow you, Lord Jesus, till you come again. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's sing, Brother Steve. Stand with us as we sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. 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 No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will.